everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tools of Songwriting. Tools of Songwriting is a website and podcast geared towards giving people the tools that they need to express themselves through writing their own music. It's for beginner to advanced musicians, and we'll have simple, understandable, and practical tips for everyone. Today I'm talking with my cousin, Jay Patton. Jay just released an album back in December called Roots. It's a seven-song EP with some really cool songwriting on it, and as usual, some great guitar playing. Jay taught me a lot about guitar when I was first starting out, and he's still kind of my sounding board for song ideas, gear advice, and random 90s references. I sat down with Jay in his man cave slash recording studio to talk about his songwriting process. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome to the Tools of Songwriting. This is going to be our first interview episode today. I'm here with my cousin, Jay Patton, the infamous. He's just a few years older than me, and uh, so he could play guitar before me. I would go to his house um, maybe once every six months and watch him play guitar, and he taught me how to play, to read tab. So I would go home with what I learned and come back six months later and learn some, steal some more crap from him. And uh, it's pretty much the way it's been my entire life. He's the <laughs> one that built me uh, the four-string guitars that I play, the weird four-string guitars that I play. Um, I think he just thought they would stay on the wall, but uh, I've recorded like three albums with him, so thanks, Jay. It's good, it's good to see him get used. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When did you get started playing music? Um, so I, uh, I was gifted a guitar by my dad when I was probably eight. It was one of those like three-quarter size Strat copies. And I think I, my stepdad also plays, and he taught me, I think, two or three chords. And he would refuse to teach me anything else until I could change those with my eyes closed. <laughs> so that's how I learned how to play guitar. So for about three or four years, that guitar kind of just sat in the corner, and I knew G, C, and D. With your eyes closed? Well, no, not yet, because oh, okay. that's all I knew, because I couldn't do it with my eyes closed. And I just kind of lost interest. And then um, junior high hit, you know, and I was like, oh, girls, i got to learn how to play guitar. And come to find out that has nothing to do with it. So, um, but my, my stepdad's uh, friend actually traded me a uh, full-size Series 10 Les Paul copy for that three-quarter mm. Strat copy. And that kind of got the spark going. Um, there was also a really good telly player at our church. And he could just uh, do all the chicken picking stuff. And, and that kind of uh, got me interested. And then from about 12 years old, I stuck with it. And That's then cool. same rule, though. I had to be able to change chords on command with my eyes closed before he would teach me more chords. And then uh, one other quick thing, as you mentioned, like learning tab, um, I remember that we would go to like Walmart on like Friday nights or whatever, and I would look at Guitar World. Uh, and yeah. I'd look at the lessons or the tab, and I would try to memorize it because I didn't have the $4 or whatever it was then. And I'd go home and I'd be playing like Creedence Clearwater. And then, you know, my stepdad would be like, Where, where'd you learn that? And I was like, Walmart, you know, like, so I, I learned a lot that way as well. So I did that too. I had a bigs. I'd stay in the guitar section the entire time, the, the, the magazine section, and just like try to commit it to memory. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that probably blew your dad away though, that you were like, he, he learned that with his mind. Well, you know, and because you and I have talked about this a lot, too, that like kids today and now they have like websites and YouTube and all that. We didn't have that. But, you know, I don't think that really like my, you know, my dad probably didn't have guitar magazines growing up yeah. either. So that was the thing for him. Like, whoa, you learned that out of a magazine. Yeah. Um, you know, they were having to move the needle on the record, you know, repeatedly to <laughs> to learn things. So it, it's kind of weird to see that yeah. progression. Um I don't think Tab came out till like the 80s or something, right? I'm not even sure. I, think, um, I, I know it was first, new for me. The first book was ACDC or something like that, Back in Black. Really? The first Tab book, I think. <laughs> so it wasn't, it's not like a super new thing. That's crazy. I probably didn't, we're I jealous didn't look of, into it. We're jealous of YouTube, but they were jealous of like 
tab. Probably. Right, exactly. I could go pick yeah. up a guitar magazine to learn credence. Cool. So, yeah. All right, next question. I remember hearing tapes of you when I was a kid, of you and your friends just <laughs> messing around, recording on your 8-track. Were those songs originals back then? So we did have um, some originals, and it actually, so it started before that. I even remember uh, my friend uh, Todd and I, we had like a little, it was just the two of us playing guitar, and we would go out into the garage, and it'd be like 95 degrees in the summer, and we'd shut the garage door and everything, and we had like a little handheld tape recorder, and we'd record little things, and I'm, I think we had, uh, I think it was Cantaloupe for Brains was, was the name of that project. I'm- I remember one called Burn in Hell. <laughs> yeah, you're going to burn in hell. Is that an original? Um, I think that was an adaptation of the um, uh, a scene from, is it Pee-wee's Big Adventure? Mm. Uh, was it Twisted Sister that was in that? They were recording a video. Oh, I don't remember that scene. I'd have to look it up. But that was, it was my friend Todd kind of came up with that. But it was this, um, <laughs> so... Probably edit all this out later. My stepdad was teaching him how to play guitar, and he's very much a bluegrass guy. And so he would teach you the um, here. I'm gonna. He would he would always teach everybody the you know the rhythm strings. You know? Mm-hmm. you know that was that was your first lesson with um, you know with my with my dad my stepdad. Um, and so that's that song. It was my friend Todd. He'd just learned how to do his, his alternating bass rhythm strings on G, C, and D. And then we were just singing along, uh, you're going to burn in hell along with it. So did Todd so, teach Todd that strum Todd, 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 yeah. Todd, 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 and then you taught Todd. That's, oh man. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> that's cool. But yeah, later on we did get the, um, we had the Task Game 4 track and we started recording more um, teen angst type <laughs> songs. Yeah. So. Did you guys cover yeah. a song, uh, Son of a Gun by Nirvana? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember, I think we've talked about this before too, because I think you said something about the lyrics were uh, window pane or. Yeah, I thought um, they were window pane. I think that's what we sang. So ah. <laughs> I would actually have to look it up and see what the real lyrics were, because that was one of those that we just, um, I think we recorded it at my friend's living room, just live. And um, I have no idea what half the words were. So. I think just because technology didn't exist back then, like you guys played that song, and then a couple years later, I heard a high school band in my school play that song, and I thought that they stole it from you. Like I didn't realize that it was a Nirvana song, so I was like, "Dude, his demo tape is getting around. His yeah. eight-track tape is getting around." <laughs> yeah, we heard it on like a was it like a like a B-sides album or something? I think is yeah. what it came out on, and we just whatever we could understand from listening to that and then well, another misunderstanding of that is because my dad heard that and they were they were awfully strict with the uh, music and stuff and he was like are they singing sometimes in the bedroom like he thought it was a song about what he would call hanky panky and so he wasn't he wasn't happy about that and i was like no 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 it's that's not it at all well, i'm but, sure he was super excited about you taking his bluegrass progression and turn it into you're going to burn in hell i don't know if he ever heard that one oh, so. okay. this is a secret that's song. a good it's a good message right it's a warning song yeah <laughs> What is your process for writing songs? Um, I think it, it varies. Um, a lot of times I, I have a habit of recording little snippets of stuff on my memo pad on my phone. Oh, yeah. Um, and then you do the, you know, the Eddie Vedder imitation. 
mm-hmm. with, you know, you don't the have mumbles. a, just, yeah, just do the mumbles and the nonsense words or chicken bacon ranch. That's a, you know, it's a good one. Um, just to kind of get an idea down. And then I'd say 60% of the time I forget that I did that mm-hmm. and I'll flip back through there. And then that'll usually spark something else and it becomes something different. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of times it'll be more of a uh, chord progression or riff based type thing that I then kind of fit something into later. Yeah. Um, a side note, I, Jay will send me these song snippets sometimes and the majority of them are Chicken Bacon Ranch, just him singing, yeah. that, <laughs> singing that song. It works. It's been an ongoing thing for years. It's phonetically amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but later he switches it to real lyrics, but right. it just kind of fits everything. <laughs> Music or lyrics first? Um, I would say more more often than not, it is probably music first. And I, I think you and I probably differ on that. I know you've told me before you get up daily and just kind of write. Right? Yeah. And, um, and uh, I think uh, our life structures are probably a lot different. So mm-hmm. mine is um, I'll pick up a guitar for 10 minutes here and there and usually come up with something musically that I like and yeah. try to write that down and then kind of piece it together from there. Um, a lot of times if I try to write lyrics first i have a hard time getting music to it yeah that's my struggle for some reason yeah Um, the other way around i seem to be able to attack a little better yeah for sure i come up with better ideas though when i i do write every day but sometimes i come up with better ideas if i haven't played the guitar for like a week or something like that yeah i'm on vacation i come back like oh that's cool because like they're all the sounds are new yeah i was was gonna say like it's new again you know it's yeah because you do i get into ruts a lot with um and i realize i'm playing the same yeah. Same couple of chord progressions over and over, and, and that's hard to hard to break out of sometimes. I remember when the so. the quarantine was first sort of over, and I hadn't played a gig in, like, three months. It was, like, all the stuff I was doing was surprising. to Like, everything I was playing was like, oh, this sounds nice, because I hadn't heard it through a right. big speaker in three months. And then right. after a couple of gigs, you're like, ah, oh, this is just okay. That's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of, your, some of your songs, some people might consider a little religious. Mm-hmm. Do you write with that in mind? So not always. Uh, I think a lot of that um, comes out just because of, you know, the beliefs that I do have and, and kind of how I live my life. That That's just kind of what comes out uh, when I write. Uh, this last project uh, was more uh, deliberate mm-hmm. and it was kind of and I'm, I'm going to sound horrible for saying this because I don't I don't put myself on a pedestal by any means as far as songwriting skills or anything, but um, or musical. But hearing like modern day, like Christian radio, it's just so cookie cutter. Yeah. And, um, musically it's just really kind of lackluster. And there's a couple groups that do some really nice pieces and parts and things like that and guitar layering and stuff. But for the most part, it's like, um, and this kind of goes back to the, what I was saying in the beginning is I wanted this to be like, what if fish had an album that was from a believer's perspective that was and then it didn't end up like that at all um so what happened again was just whatever i write kind of is what came out yeah um but uh at the same time i also didn't want it to be um preachy or and you and i have talked about that too about a lot of like uh, heavy heavily political music yeah and I'm, I have this weird thing about, like, I don't like my musicians to get, like, super political, like, in between the songs, but I don't mind a really good, you know, political tune. And I think it's because if it's done right, it leaves up um, some interpretation for the listener um, that they can take it as heavy or as lighthearted as they want to. And I think some great examples of that are, um, I mean, like, Saturday Night Special yeah. is a great song. 
I don't necessarily agree with maybe his viewpoint, but that's a killer song, and I'll always listen to it. Yeah. Um, uh, what's the Pearl Jam? Um, Glorified G. Oh, yeah. uh, is the same the same way for me, you know. I you know it's not a song that I would have written, but it's a yeah. killer song, and and I'll I'll listen to it, um, you know, on that album. Um, so I kind of was wanting to have that that approach that this is something that represented the way that I believe, but it's not so, um, you know, I didn't want it to be like divisive or anything. I want it to be approachable for everybody because the the secondary goal of this was to have something musically interesting yeah um so that's that's kind of where it's a long way around i'm sorry but that's kind of where no, i was okay. with that um do you feel like having kind of constraints or like and you even mentioned and we're, i'm going to talk about this in other episodes about just setting like parameters for yourself to write in do you feel like having that as kind of your guiding thing helped you go in the right direction yeah i think so and because i i think um a lot of times if you leave it wide open um especially with like maybe like a life experience type thing because I, I think one of the easier songs that I was able to write it's been maybe five six years ago is I made a determination I'm going to write an absolute work of fiction like mm -hmm. this is just, and, and I don't normally do that normally they're yeah. a personal experience type um, beginning at least and I just created in my head I created this character and this is what he ran into and it just like escalated from there and that wrote itself a lot easier hmm. than trying to be like writing something that was more from, you know, my, uh, you know, personal thoughts and making it mean something, um, yeah. you know, to me rather versus making a piece of art that somebody could listen to and say, oh, this is a good story. And um, I know that's probably songwriting 101, but I'm a really slow learner. So no, I don't, I don't do it very often, <laughs> but I think like people say that sometimes you should write, like write from a character's perspective and, your character might not know all the answers. It gives you like the first, like as a, as when you're writing from your perspective, you're like, Oh, I should know this already. I right. should know what this, you know, I should know the lesson this is trying to teach. But if you're doing it for somebody else, this person had to be dumb. <laughs> yeah. And learn the lesson later in the song. It kind of, I don't know. Yeah. This guy easier. ended up running from the cops and everything. It was, yeah, it was a fun one. <laughs> You've done that many times. <laughs> right. Small town. Um, do you write songs on instruments besides the guitar? Um, yeah, actually, so I recently got a, an eight-string ukulele, and I didn't even know it was a thing until I... And it doesn't sound like ukulele. No, I mean, it's almost like a, it's like a nylon-string mandolin, I think, yeah, more than anything. Cool. So it's, um, if you haven't seen one, it's it's basically the high four or high eight strings of a 12-string at the fifth fret of a guitar. And That's cool. that unlocked it for me. Because then the chord shapes were familiar. Yeah. I was like, oh, wait, I know how to play this already. Like, I didn't realize it when I picked it up. But just the uh, the tonality, and uh, since you're playing partial chords, basically, compared mm -hmm. to a six-string guitar, um, that opened up some things that I probably wouldn't have done. Or, um, and I think maybe I did a couple of, there were uh, three instrumental songs on that that EP. Yeah. Um, and that made it onto one of those, just because of the unique sound. But it does it does open up more ideas um, it opens up some chord voicings I wouldn't have probably went to on the on the guitar. Which song is so, that on? Uh, that for, is on the the, uh, the uh, um, Entropic, which is the uh, it's the nylon string uh, guitar. And I'd actually had written that. It's in drop D, and I'd written it just to be played in D. And then I got the ukulele, and I was like, like no, we're we're taking this up to you know to G. Are both instruments on that song? Yeah, oh. they're both. Yeah, so they're they're layered. Um, 
and I don't think that really sparked the song, but it it took it to somewhere that I didn't mean to yeah. mean for it to go initially. So. record most of the song and then put the lyrics on later uh yeah i tend to maybe like maybe not like guitar solos and stuff but um i don't i don't pride myself in being a strong vocalist so i think for me to be able to have a full (laughs) i think for me to um to have the full instrumentation kind of underneath me recording um helps me a lot better um obviously if it's a sparse song then you know but i'd still like to at least have a you know, a pretty good idea of what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, Cause I found that before that'll change the way that I approach the, the vocals as well. Not necessarily the lyrics, but the way I would sing it. Yeah. I think, I think some songwriting courses will be like, just start with these three chords and like the simplest option, but it's cool to hear somebody else just add on almost everything. Yeah. Like, lately I've been, I've been writing a little bit, like I'll just have my looper out. So it kind of gives you two guitars automatically. Right. When you want to. And that's kind of a, a cool thing where, if you're running out of ideas or you're like, I don't know what to do with this instrument. Like, what if I have two that I can stack on top of the other? Right. Or what if I have drums and bass and all that other stuff? And then I can finish the song that way. Yeah. And I, and I think it depends on the song. I think if you're going for uh, more, you know, like if it's a loud guitar rock kind of song, I think it helps to have all that underneath it. Because then, yeah. cause, um, the majority of my playing and singing experience has been live. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole different thing than putting headphones on and singing into a microphone. Um, the other thing I dealt with with that, I did a lot of the recording through the fall last year, and I have mm. amazing Ohio sinuses. <laughs> so there were times, there were weeks where I couldn't sing. Um, and I think actually if you if you pay close enough attention on that record, there's a couple of those where I got to where I could get to the range I needed, but I wasn't 100% clear. <laughs> and there's some, there's some uh, is nasality a word? I don't know. Sure. <laughs> it's, it's there, though. It is today. Yep. <laughs> Do you have any tips or tricks for getting good ideas out? Oh, it's just, um, this goes opposite of what we were saying about limiting yourself, but as far as getting ideas out and just don't limit yourself. I think the, um, I was actually working with, uh, my daughter who was 14 this weekend and she wrote a song and she was texting me a couple weeks prior to that. Like, oh, I want to write a song. I don't know what to do. I said, just write something, you yeah. know? And I said, it's, you know, a, a song isn't necessarily ever done. I mean, yeah. you watch a lot of these, you know, um, big name artists and you go see them live and the song progresses and they let it, um, mm-hmm. especially if you have a band like, like Tedeschi Trucks, like that kind of thing where it's, it's just a moving target. Sometimes they progress they, into some weird reggae thing, swampy thing at the beginning and then the right, song you know, yeah. and, um, it's still the song. Um, so I, I think that's part of it. Just get something, get something down. Just don't, don't, don't not start for the fear of not being able to finish it. Yeah. He let me um, hear some of the song and. What all does she talk about in this song? It's a, it's actually a, it's a whole metaphor about her um, life being a, uh, uh, like a teen movie, I guess, kind of, and that um, the director must have forgot about this. Uh, that's the hook that, that must have forgot about this sideline character. I think is what she says. So um, she worked in 
and this is a good one too. I mean, she works she works in a lot of allusions to um, a lot of those like '80s movies. Oh yeah, and stuff, and that gives it a familiarity, you know. So you know, if if that gets you moving too, you know, uh, bounce off of something else. Mm. Um, but, uh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say you you've talked before too about the um, uh, the whole steel like an artist, which is still yeah. in my wish list. I haven't ordered it yet, but um, I think I'd sent something to you a couple of weeks ago because uh, there's a, a Beach Boys song that's not a super well known mm-hmm. of of their catalog off of um, I heard an almost famous. And I was playing the ukulele actually one day, and I was like, I want to learn those chords. You know, I looked them up, and it's kind of yeah. an interesting chord progression. And then later that day, I was messing around just with that chord progression, and it like morphed into something different, different tempo, different feel, similar chord progression yeah. though. And and that that clicked with me. I was like, oh yeah, that's the that's the stealing like an artist like that. Yeah, that would not have been a recognizable nod to that song, but it sparked something in me that uh moved in a different direction so yeah i think that's a good one too to listen to stuff you wouldn't normally listen to um whether it's genres or um i'm real bad about skipping songs on a cd you give it 30 seconds like nope yeah go back and listen to that song uh (laughs) there's probably something in there that you missed and yeah 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 we talked about that in episode one is steal like an artist it's a good book you have to get it jay (laughs) i will get it it's in the wish list yeah (laughs) Sometimes even like live, I will, uh, sometimes if I'm improvising, I will say like, okay, for this solo, I'm just going to pretty much steal another solo that I know. And since the key's different, the feel of the song is different, no one will ever even notice that. Yeah, I think I showed you the, uh, the accidental, um, it's the accidental Freebird lick and that that one tune I was working on. Yeah, I would never want to notice that. It just came out. And so I, I left it at fit. Um, what, what song do you wish you had written? Um, any tune. I hate to, I know, I hate to, uh, I hate to break the curtain here, but this is, I actually was, I've been thinking about this one all day. I tried to be off the cuff on these to be genuine. Um, I, I can't, I can't think of something. I almost, I keep thinking of almost like whole albums. Um, Grace, (laughs) Graceland, I mean, is just a masterpiece and I would just about pick any song off of that. And if I could produce anything in that neighborhood, uh, would be amazing. Um, some other ones there's there's a lot of i'm a huge collective soul nerd um i wish i had the ability that uh, ed has to take for the most part the same four uh chords or i mean very similar progressions yeah and work them into completely different songs that unless you i would say unless you're a musician and you sit down to learn them you don't realize that they're so yeah. similar at the foundation and a lot of that i think is recording and layering and everything but um the uh I maybe just collective soul has a big nostalgic thing for me, um, where it makes me call back to when I first listened to those albums. Um, yeah. if I could write anything with that quality where somebody could listen to it and go, man, I remember October of 97, man, that was crazy. Yeah. Um, so that that's, I don't, I can't think of a specific one that's, but those, that's those two veins I think would be, would be great if I had anything near that. Yeah. When I go back to listen to collective soul, I just notice all the hooks. He's so good at hooks. Yeah, like in the same way that like Cheap Trick was, <laughs> and that's the first album is just so hook crazy. And that's and that's something that I I don't know that is one of my strengths, and um, and and I'm I, I think I'd sent that that one to you the actually the first off of that album, and you were like, is there a chorus? It's like yeah, there's a riff. Uh, <laughs> that was that was my chorus. Is like I'm gonna have a guitar riff as the chorus. Um, What's the first song on the album? It's uh, Lost was the first one. No, I think uh. 
I listened to that on the way here. And even though there's not a chorus there, you change up the verse the last time through, and it makes it like a catchy thing. Yeah, there's the so the outro. So, see, and child or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's one of those that like I I kind of I kind of wrote that album as a as a whole, and and I know this doesn't make sense to anyone now listening with their you know we've all got their streaming music and your mm -hmm. sh everything shuffle and playlist, and um, I wrote that to be listened to song one to song seven. Yeah, and um, even the fade out of the last song loops back into mm, yeah. the first song. Um, oh, the dark side of the moon. Yeah, I showed my age. Yeah, <laughs> on that one. No, it's cool. Nobody does it anymore. So, so. it should be th that should happen though. So I, I was listening to Grace on the way here, and if I'm understanding the song right, it's almost like the verses are asking questions, like how do I get through this, and the chorus is almost answering that question. Yeah, with Grace, right? Yeah, that um, was the. Yeah, so that was the intention, um, and like I said, that was kind of the whole thing. Was this? Um, I don't know. You kind of want the whole explanation of the yeah. So, so the the idea of that, and like I said, without it being, um, you know, beat over the head kind of thing, was was that that person in that storyline was coming to the realization that that they're broken, you know, mm -hmm. that they're that they're a fallen being basically, and in need of a savior. That was yeah. the idea behind that, and so that was his. Um, and and I and maybe that is a little more autobiographical than I intended on that song specifically because it's you know talk about you know, I drove my car in silence, um, I've done that you know yeah. where you're like you're flipping through the radio and just nothing sounds right to your ears and you're just like you know what I'm gonna turn the radio down yeah I'm gonna listen to my engine and I'm gonna think yeah and that was that was kind of that whole thing it was him is like well how do I do this how do I do this how do I do this and then that then that was the answer yeah that's a cool concept to let the Versus, kind of ask a question and the chorus be the answer. So that's what you know. Chorus is the part that everybody can sing together. Drunk from the well of madness all these years. This is sobering. But how can I walk where I can't stand? time actually i've i've got a uh, a buddy that i met um oddly enough on youtube he messaged me one day and and we've uh we've been you know internet buddies at least mm -hmm. um for the last i mean maybe six years um and he's just maybe three hours north of here we haven't ever made the point to meet in the yeah. middle but uh he said uh, he told me i sent him that i always bounce stuff off, bounce stuff off of him and he messaged me one day he's like man he's like my friends think I'm crazy. I'm back here. Uh, he's a butcher. He's like, I'm back here in the uh, cutting meat, just yelling grace all day. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, no, that's, that was awesome to hear. Yeah. You know, that it actually, you know, stuck. So yeah, that, that was pretty cool. For sure. <laughs> for like me, the most rewarding part is not like, it's generally not like, oh, you got your name in the paper. It's when people message you and say like, right. oh, I, I love this song. It's helped me through something or it's stuck in my head or your kid, my kid's <laughs> dancing to it or something like that. <laughs> I had a, uh... I had a coworker once. He was walking by my desk, and he was like, kind of singing under his breath. And I was like, 
That is really familiar. And it was one that I had given him like a week prior. Oh, cool. it was just, I'd given him a CD and he was, I was like, wait a minute. I was like, that's my song. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> How has your playing or writing changed over the years? Um, well, if, if we go all the way back to those cassette tapes in junior <laughs> high, um, it, actually, I was talking to my daughter about this yesterday. I said, you know, it used to be you and your teenage friends that had guitars, you would sit around and you would hammer out this like teen angst anthem in like 25 minutes. You know, yeah. someone would have a riff and someone would be like, hey, man, my girlfriend just dumped me. And and it wasn't great, but you were just, you know, pumping out songs. But I think um, now it's trying to actually craft something versus just have a finished song. Yeah. Um, I think for me as a musician, I have learned to listen a lot better than even in my early 20s. Hmm. Um, you know, I spent a lot of that time in a uh, blues rock cover band, and I thought I knew how to play all these songs. And you go back and listen to them now that I'm older, I'm like listening with a little more of a discerned ear, and I'm like, man, I didn't, I didn't even touch that part. Like, I, I wasn't even playing that. So I think hearing that has, has changed how I, um, how I structure musically as well as far as you know layering or um you know it's not just crank it up to 11 every time it's you know trying to actually build something that's uh has some you know bits and pieces versus you know this big loud thing (laughs) however (laughs) you were good at cranking up to 11 like i would go watch jay my dad would let me go into the bar with him when i was probably like 14 (laughs) somehow i'd be able to sneak in and jay was that long ago (laughs) probably wow i think i was still in school um I don't know how how old do you feel like you were when you started playing in. I had two twenty first birthdays um, because I was actually I think nineteen uh, when I started playing, <laughs> so, yeah. and so maybe my was, so 15. my dad my dad was the sound man, and um, we would get hassled at a couple different places uh, for me being in there, and he's like I'm his dad like whatever I'm here with him I'm yeah. his guardian so um, he ended up um, you know I'm not advocating the. Uh, you know, the deceit, but he ended up telling a lot of these owners that I turned 21 when I turned 20. Um, so, so yeah, Jay, Jay was playing as a kid with all of these people who would have been my dad's age or his dad's yeah, age. That's absolutely. How, that's how good he was. It was my then, dad's so. friends. So yeah. Oh, no, well, their guitar player quit. So, and I played slide. <laughs> that's, <laughs> uh, he was good. Just, just trust me. Still good. All right. Go check out the album. Thanks for hanging out guys for the tools of songwriting. I, I appreciate you having me today and, yeah. uh, you know, being the first interview, just want to, uh, you know, ensure your listeners that it can only go up from here. <laughs> so, all right, <laughs> go check them out guys. Jay Patton on Spotify and all the other, the usual things and Facebook. And if you like gear tips and stuff like that, head over to his YouTube channel. What's your YouTube channel? Called? Uh, it's JP 5150. It's a J A Y P five one five zero. But there's a ton of stuff in the back catalog on YouTube too. How to play yeah. slide, weird guitars that Jay has built. Because yep. we built about, we're sitting next to like 10, 12 of them right There's now. There's a, I lost count. Um, yeah. Somebody asked me that I, when we got that 12 string the other day. They said, how many guitars do you have now? And I, I literally zoned. I have no idea. But yeah, I've, uh, guitar kits, um, refinishes, mods, things like that. I'm just, uh, I can't, there are a lot over here. I can't, um, I can't leave them alone. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you'd like to sign up for the newsletter to get some free songwriting tips, just head over to toolsofsongwriting.com. That's toolsofsongwriting.com. See you next time.
traveling man Racking up the hearts that I've broke A hundred million miles left to go 